This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to another edition of the programme. We have Sadie and Bernie taking your calls today because John Paul is off for a couple of days. So anything you want to share with us, we would love to hear from you. Give the girls a call or you can text her WhatsApp 086 at 2103103. And I am very conscious and thinking of businesses today and thinking of people who've gone back to work today for the first time now in nearly three months today, D-Day for the retail uh, stores um, among the major retailers who are opening up today. You've got all the biggies, Ikea are opening, Marks and Spencers, the Harvey Normans and the, the Smiths Toys also Eason's and Lifestyle Sports, they're all opening. Some of them though are operating a staggered approach uh, to the reopening but in the midst of all of that are all of the smaller businesses and the little independent uh, retailers and with jobs and future viability of smaller businesses under threat, the importance now of consumer spending has never been higher. The government's uh, announcement of an accelerated phase of reopening on Friday uh, came as a bit of a shock, I think, to a lot of people. We were expecting the smaller shops to open, but I think many retailers were taken aback to hear that the bigger stores were open. And that's why I have to say kudos to people who got it together and managed to put in place everything they needed to put in place to reopen today, because some of those larger stores were not expecting to reopen for at least another uh, three weeks. So it I'd love to say it's business as usual. It's not, but it's an anxious time for a lot of those businesses. They're trying to claw back as much lost revenue as they can over the last three months. Uh, Retail Excellent Ireland are appealing to people to get out and please spend some of your cash. The retail economy supports more jobs than any other sector. And I didn't realise this, but SMEs employ 65% of the total national workforce. That's a huge, huge 
statistic, isn't it? 65% of the total national workforce comes from small and medium enterprise. So the recovery of Ireland is going to be based on the recovery of retail and the SME sector. So now, more than ever, consumers need to shop local and uh, keep our local economy, get it back up on its feet. The small retailer, according to Retail Excellence Ireland, make up the fabric of every community in Ireland. The pandemic has disproportionately impacted the sector. 85% of those businesses have been forced to close. The moment has come where these businesses get the opportunity to employ their team uh, again. And that team, so says Retail Excellent Ireland, are your brother, your sister, your neighbour, and they'll rely on your local community to come out and support them to keep your family in a job and to keep your community alive. Well said by Retail Excellent Ireland. So let us think of all of those businesses today. And we really do wish them the very, very best of luck. I think, I mean, we're going back into what is going to be our normal for quite some time. I think we are getting used to the idea of queuing. We're getting used to the idea of there's no such thing as just a quick trip to the shops anymore. You have to factor in that when you arrive at the supermarket, wherever it is, the shop, the shoe, the shoe shop, the little boutique, the uh, photo shop, the present going shopping looking for a present in a little knick-knack store I think we're just getting used to the fact that there will be probably a queue outside the door we're going to have to have patience and wait because a lot of those small shops particularly the small shops on the main street are small premises themselves so they're probably only going to be allowed two, three people max inside in the shops you're going to have to wait until those people have their business done and then uh, leave I did. I do think a, a good piece of advice and I saw it on TV last night I think it was from a shoe shop up the country a lot of the businesses a lot of our high street businesses and even our small independent stores have an online presence you know some of them have their own websites but others just you know use their Facebook page or their Instagram uh, feed so go take a look online before you actually go to the shop go to the store so that you have a rough idea what you're going to be looking for because the days of rambling around stores browsing I think until certainly I think until we have the virus gone and we're into like vaccine time I think gone are those days where we'll be spending leisurely afternoons shopping and strolling from shop uh, to shop so you need to sort of go almost with a focus and an intention when you're going shopping today and just patience we're all going to need a little bit of patience we need patience ourselves in the queuing but also to be kind and be patient to the people working in the shops. I mean, they may not have everything that you want on the first day when you go out and uh, look for it. And they're going to be nervous as well. People going back working in shops when they haven't been there for nearly three months. And we never know anybody's backstory. We never know who's at home with that person and their fear factor of bringing the virus back home with them. So it can be a nervous time for the employees as well. So we're thinking of them today. So I think it's it's a case of everybody needing to be kind to each other. Kindness goes a long, long way. So, so please do bear that in mind when you're heading out today. But we do need to support uh, our local communities. They are so, they are, and those small little independent shops are more important now than ever and they have you know the next six months for them is going to be a really really tricky one as they try to 
they won't claw back everything that they've lost but they're still going to have all of the bills mounting up and they really are going to have to try and have as busy as six months as possible in order for them to, to survive because you know we're already hearing of a number of shops who've decided not to reopen and they'll never reopen again and that's that news comes with such great great uh, sadness so let's all see if we can do our bit if you've saved money during the lockdown and many people have many people I mean some people took to shopping online but not everybody did so there are some people have a little bit of extra cash also for many families holidays have been cancelled so people might have a chunk of money that they'd set aside for a holiday might decide to do something else with it so maybe see if you can spend some of the money locally and keep as much of our cash as we can in our local economy and the news on Friday we were all waiting for Leo Varadkar and Dr Tony Houlihan and Simon Harris to get up and speak and everybody was expecting the, the list of services and businesses that were on phase two. We were all expecting them to open but I think nobody expected them for Leo to go as far as he did particularly with the opening of all of the retail shops but also the idea that we could move further than the 20 kilometres. We were expecting to go from 5 kilometres to 20 kilometres and now suddenly we can move anywhere within our county and for us here in Cork that gives us lots and lots of choice. We really are blessed to live in this beautiful county and to live in the largest county in Ireland so we do have a lot of scope and a lot of choice to travel around much more than they do in other counties. But can I say the one thing that I was bitterly disappointed uh, with and I was actually quite annoyed about it over the weekend. I've calmed down slightly now so I won't have as much as a, of a rant as I was planning on, have, on having. The one thing that disappointed me was there was absolutely no mention of adults with special needs and adults with intellectual disabilities and the opening of daycare services. And there was just no mention of it at all. And I was listening out for journalists asking questions, you know, and they were asking questions about things like hairdressers. And God knows we all want the hairdressers uh, to open. But I was thinking, is nobody going to ask the question, when are the daycare services going to open? When are those family carers that we only spoke about last week on the programme, when are they going to get a little bit of a break? They have been locked into their houses. I mean, they're locked down has been far more severe than what the lockdown has been for other people. And they have the added challenge that the the people that they're looking after, in many cases, it's their sons and daughters or it might be uh, parents uh, or in, in the case of with the or the daycare centres closing, it can be a spouse looking after a husband or a wife who's suffering with dementia. And there was just no mention of any of the daycare services resuming. No date on when they're expected to reopen. No guidelines for those services for the reopening of, of, of it. And while the daycare services are gone also, you know, what, what are gone are things like respite is gone for families that avail of respite. Many of those families also, if they had home help or some kind of home support coming in, that's all gone. And it just, I was a bit disappointed because it just, it struck me that while for the, for the majority of society, you know, today was a great day, you know, everything's reopened opening, people can get, get out and about. But for those carers that are trapped inside in their homes, and they are, they're almost like they're all locked in prison. You know, what was announced on Friday makes little or no difference to them. They are battling on a daily basis just to keep their heads above water, doing everything that they can to try to contain, in some cases, really, really challenging behaviour. And they are watching their 
in the case of parents, they're watching their children regress. Uh, the younger children who went who were in school who were doing really well and then the young adults that are at home because they're missing their daycare services and they're missing their therapies that they would be getting at those daycare services. They're watching them slowly regressing. And that's really, really sad. It's really sad. And as I say, I was I was I was annoyed about it at the weekend. But at this stage now, I just feel an immense sadness uh, for those people. And I watched that programme. I think I don't know if it was on during the week and was I just watching a catch up of it. I watched that programme where they where they're doing the choir for the carers and they, you know, they shared some of the stories of the carers and like, God, it's it's only when you see it like the 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 woman who's the young widow with her two sons who are both um, on the autism spectrum and one much more severely autistic uh, than the other and you just think of that woman in lockdown there before lockdown her boys would have been going to school every day or would have had some kind of a, a daycare service now suddenly she's at home 24-7 you know Monday rolls into Tuesday into Wednesday the weekend comes it's no different every day is exactly the same and there's no let up for her you know when does when does she get to get a break the only way she will get a break is when the, the daycare services opens and her boys get collected on their bus and they head off and then she's got some time uh, to herself but during lockdown and I think here is family carers anyway are in many cases in a lockdown situation they live with it all the time but it has just been made a million times worse because they've got no backup and no no support and it's it's shocking on our society and and on, and on our government that nobody seems to be asking the question what is what is being done for these families and what plan is in place. And, you know, as I say, we're talking about when hotels are going to open and when bars are going to open and great that the shops are opening today and when will the hairdressers open? And that's all in itself, as I say, that's all great news and, and it's all very, very welcome. But nobody seems to be doing anything for this group of people who a number of weeks ago, we had an email in and it's many weeks ago now from a mother and a father in North Cork talking about their adult daughter and how her daycare service was gone. And the mum wrote to was saying, you know, we're the forgotten people and, and very much that's exactly what it is. They are the forgotten people and it's shameful. It just, it really, really is uh, shameful. And I, I kind of, in a way, I fall into the category in that I am a family carer with my own daughter and she's been very much affected in that she hasn't, you know, the bus doesn't come every morning and, and she's at home. I'm lucky in that she's enjoying being cocooned. She's loving this relaxed lifestyle. But I can see her in herself. She's gone into herself. She doesn't want to do anything anymore. She's kind of lost her, slightly lost her joie de vivre. I don't, I'm blessed in that I don't have any challenging behaviours to deal with. But I can see it in her that she's losing a bit of herself and that that I'm finding difficult and that I'm I'm battling with and I'm truly truly blessed that I get to leave the house every day and I get to come here and I get to you know uh, to uh, to keep going with my job and and I, I have in in a sense that's my break from the caring side of it and then I'll go home and and home life will remain the same and 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 will continue to care care for her. but with all the announcements nothing really changed for us in that I can't take her out to the the shops I can't suddenly say oh come on we'll we'll, we'll head off out because obviously we're trying to protect and mind her so that she doesn't pick up uh, COVID-19 COVID but it's just, it's that sense of when is it all going to end? When do I get life back to normal 
for her and get some kind of normality back for her. But as I say, I'm in the blessed position in that I, I I'm, we're not dealing with challenging behaviours, but I'm, I'm very conscious and aware of families that are. When I did that report last week on the carers, and I read through the whole report and, you know, reading like a mother saying how her daughter had become so challenging and was getting very violent towards her mother. And she said, I'm black and blue and I have bite marks all over my body from, from her own daughter who doesn't understand what she's doing, but, but is lashing out. And who does she lash out at? The person who is who loves her the most and is, is caring for her uh, the most. So I really do hope that the powers that be uh, start to wake up. Uh, and 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 do something for this very vulnerable group, but for these forgotten people, and something has to be done, and it has to be done soon. Anyway, that's my rant over. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Bernie and uh, Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Of your texts coming into the program, Pat Imbantier says, Patricia, would you wait to find out when the council civic community sites will be open as normal? As they're only they've only been receiving food waste and glass recycling. After lockdown, I have a shed full of paint tins, timber that I've accumulated whilst cleaning up the garden that I need to get rid of ASAP. Thank you, that's Pat in Bantier. Well, the good news for Pat in Bantier is the civic community sites are fully operational. They have been for the last couple of weeks. When did it come in? On the 18th of May, uh, all of the waste facilities at civic community sites recommenced and they're accepting all waste and recycling um, streams without exception. And but it also did include the return of the three euro entry fee, which they had wavered previous to that when they were only taking the domestic waste. So, uh, Pat, whenever you're ready to load up, head on down to your civic community site and let me just tell you in Bantir, is it Kanturk would be the civic community site closest to you? If it is, I can tell you they, they open on a Wednesday from nine to half four and on a Friday from nine to half four and they're also open Saturday morning between nine and one but they're closed today but Wednesday will be your next day if it's Kanturk Civic Community Site is the one that you are planning on uh, using. Hi Patricia thank you for bringing up and discussing the forgotten vulnerable people of our special needs uh, adults when are they going to be recognised hopefully um, hopefully soon. Hi Patricia can you tell me please over 70s can over 70s go into shops now they have haven't said, are we being forgotten about? No, you're not being forgotten about the advice for those over the age of 70 and the medically vulnerable. Now, they're still saying to stay at home as much as uh, possible. But yes, you are able to go shopping. Now, they are suggesting to the over 70s and those who are medically vulnerable to try to use the times that are specially allocated by retailers. Many of the stores will have the first hour in the morning where they'll say it's just for people over the age of 70 and for those that are medically vulnerable. But that doesn't mean if that doesn't suit you and you want to go shopping at three o'clock in the afternoon, absolutely, you can you can go uh, shopping. But they're saying to people, you know, be sensible, good hand hygiene, coughing etiquette. The two metres is the really important one for the over 70s. Make sure that you are two metres away from everyone. And then, of course, as soon as you get home, wash your hands and then put your wash your shopping away and then wash your hands as well again. And of course, from today, those over the age of 70 and those that have been 
great, we don't like the word, the cocooners, um, they are now allowed to have people, small numbers of people come to your house. But again, in your house, maintain the social uh, distance. Um, but you can have people come visit you. And I know for a lot of grandparents, there are a lot of visits planned to go see Granny and Grandad. 1850-333-103. Heidi by WhatsApp says, Morning Patricia, I was so sad to hear and read about that young man in Carrigaline who was stabbed so many times and the fact that it was filmed on a mobile phone at the weekend. Why do people find it so necessary to hurt one another? No thought, no concern for the family of those young ones. Think of their mothers that bring those young ones into the world. This has to stop. Indeed it does. Going to take a break and that's what we're talking about next uh, that stabbing in Carrigaline. Work today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now there has been widespread condemnation of the attack on a 17-year-old youth at a housing estate in Carrigaline on Saturday night as well as outrage that the incident was videoed and posted on social media. Local County Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Ben. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Ben, how have local people in the area reacted to this? What was an appalling attack? Look, people have just been in complete shock. You know, the the family, they're a very respectable family, very well-liked family in the area. And um, someone came up on the the bus from the Balancholic area and viciously attacked uh, that young youth there in a water park area of Carrigline. The whole community is in shock say the least. Now the Water Park Estate, is that, d- describe that estate, is, is it a mixture of elderly so, people and young families? The, it's a very big estate there in Carrigaline where the attack took place was actually next to the old uh, John Collins' shop. John Collins there was a councillor for, uh, for a good few years in Carrigaline and it, it took place just next to there but there'd be a good mix of elderly people, there'd be young families, it'd be a very mixed residential area. There's uh, two schools very nearby and um, look, it could, it could have been any estate in Cork, someone just walking on a bright evening there and viciously attacked. It was just a horrible incident to happen in the area. Is it an area that would see large groups of young people congregate? No, absolutely not. It's a very quiet area. Um, people get people get on very well. There doesn't seem to be an issue in the area. But um, look, there has been a history of a similar group uh, coming up there from on the 220 bus you might remember that, Patricia, there was an incident last year on Kilmoney Road where there was a, the 220 bus, a gang of youths got on and uh, because the bus drive, the female bus driver asked them for the fare, they threatened to rape her. Yeah, and of course and we're not in any yeah. way linking the two, the, no, the, the, no, the two cases. But, um, but, it's, but is it an area that's adequately policed? Um, it isn't really, Patricia. Look, the town is, the greater area has nearly 20,000 people in it. And last year there in the council, I put down a motion um, asking for a full-time guard station and to meet with the guard commissioner to send a delegation from the council up to the guard commissioner to get the full-time uh, guard station and better resource to the area. The guard commissioner didn't even answer that letter. I put in a second motion a couple of months ago looking for it to be followed up on. Uh, th- no response to that. So, look, I'm I'm not satisfied that the Garda Commissioner and the Minister and the powers that be, if you say, are addressing this as best they could. And I'd be just calling on the, the elected TDs there. there. There's three TDs in South Central that are involved in government formation talks, and I'd be looking for them to put a full-time Garda station at the top of the agenda. But I suppose, Patricia, it, it isn't a bad area, and we must put that out there, that this was a... Th- this incident 
while it was the incident was isolated as such, there was nothing uh, similar. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't an area yeah. that's known for antisocial behaviour. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. And are you encouraging anyone with information to report to the local Gardaí? Absolutely. And look, it was half past ten. It was in a, a big housing estate. If there was someone that saw anything, heard anything, and they might be afraid to come forward, look, please uh, contact the Gardaí. Give them every bit of evidence they need to do their job. And look, as we speak, I think there's been someone charged in there before the district court. Yeah, it's, and, uh, yeah, it's, I, we're it's, watching that closely. Okay, and 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 I know the incident was. And I'm sorry, I know the guy that you're saying. If anybody has dash cam footage from around mm. the area as well, to please come forward with it. The yeah. incident um, then was widely shared over over the weekend. I mean, I think by certainly before I went to bed on Saturday night, I had mm. l- l- I could see lots of sharing of of this of this video. Does that worry you? That was cheering it, it so much. Me. Yeah. It does worry me, and it worries me that it was filmed. And look, if you, if anyone who saw the the video, I only watched it once. Was highly disturbing to say the least. But there was a girl in that video who clearly shielded uh, the young lad there from from the attack. And look, she she deserves to be recognised as well. But I, I'd be um, I'd be telling people out there, please do not share the footage, and um, it could cause uh, problems in a future court case. And we need to get a person charged for this and get justice for the family. Like they're a very well liked family in the area, and um, the young lad plays with Ballygarvan GA. They're my own local uh, area, and it's a horrible thing to happen to any family. And just think, if it was your own brother or sister or family member, you wouldn't like people sharing the footage. So just out of courtesy, I just tell people, please don't uh, share their messenger or Twitter or anything. Yeah, and talk to your your young people about it because it's mainly young people who are sharing it with other uh, young uh, people because it's it, it's truly I could barely watch it. It's it it's is horrific, it's truly yeah. truly horrific. And by all accounts, the young lad he's at home and he's he's recovering and he's, he's, he's it looks like he's going to be okay. Thank God. He he made a, he he's out of hospital anyway, which is good, and uh, he's making a recovery. But look, there's going to be trauma there that that is unspeakable. But look. The, um, we're, we're glad he's out of hospital. We, we wish him all the best and our thoughts with the family. And uh, we wish him all well and his friends there um, at this time. But look, Patricia, I'm here this morning there in County Hall and I'm going to a down and uh, suspend standing orders at the meeting and try and get try and get another letter to the Garda Commissioner and try and get that meeting. Because for twenty for 20, a town of 20,000 people, there needs to be a full 24-hour Garda station at, at a minimum. Okay. All right. Listen, we'll let you get back to that meeting. We appreciate you taking time out to talk to us, um, Ben. Thank you for that. And and, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan on what was that appalling attack on that uh, young lad in Carrigaline on Saturday night. As I say, it is before the courts this morning at about now. uh, And we're hoping to have an update on that. Will probably be after news at 11 uh, Fiona Corcoran. Our senior news reporter, we've sent her to court uh, for uh, us, but we wish that young young lad uh, who was attacked at the weekend, we wish him a speedy recovery. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls today. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. With phase two of the lifting of the COVID-19 restrictions now in force today. Many people are getting behind the wheel of their car for the first time in many months. Research shows that some drivers are actually fearful about getting back on the road after the lockdown. So with words of advice, Noel Gibbons, Road Safety Officer with Mayo County Council uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Noel. Good 
Good morning, Patricia. And you're you're welcome to the programme. Does it come as any surprise to you to hear that some people are a bit nervous about driving again today? Well, I suppose the general population themselves are, are nervous with, with, with the particular environment we're living with, and it's not surprising really that this is uh, going over into your driving experiences that people are experiencing being nervous getting behind the wheel. As you said, they haven't sat behind the wheel for a good few months, and now they're with their restrictions being lifted. They're venturing out to drive to their friends and relations, and uh, there's a nervousness getting behind the wheel. Will you, does the confidence return the more you drive? Yes, as you, the old saying is, it's practice and practice. So we're, in, we're advising people to get out, even if they don't have to get out, uh, particularly for any particular reason, to get out and, and drive maybe 10 or 15 minutes each day to build up their confidence. Because, if, again, if you haven't done something for a good few months, you definitely will lack confidence. And uh, working with our own aid friendly uh, coordinators here in Mayo County Council, we've compiled some information which we've put up on our website and are sending it out to the uh, different age groups throughout the county. Uh, again, we're hearing this back from driving instructors as well who've contacted our own offices, saying that they've been contacted by uh, some elderly people who are, are feeling fearful getting behind the wheel. So unfortunately, the driving instructors aren't uh, permitted yet to give driving lessons, but they are uh, sharing their advice to the uh, people who are experiencing a little bit of nervousness getting behind the wheel. So short journeys to start with, and I'm I'm assuming on roads that you know well. Exactly, uh, and again as well, just to time your 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 uh, driving uh, plans. That if you are heading out, try not to head out when there be most peak times in traffic. But the roads are a bit quieter, and again, as your confidence gets back, then you can go, uh, go into busier towns or onto motorways. And again, just make sure that your eyesight is. is uh, up to date that you you have up to date glasses and if you do have to go to get their eyes checked be sure to get that done before you get behind the wheel and that you're well rested so again it's just age is no barrier to driving and it's a huge uh, benefit to your your confidence and your independence so it's very important that people do get out there and get driving and get their confidence back again yeah, because we're already seeing texts coming in from people who have been uh, cocooning and who are thinking of, you know, heading out for that drive for for the first time. But just don't go on a long journey. I mean, we're blessed here in Cork with a county the size of Cork. We have to stay within our county, but you could go on a very long drive and still be within the county of Cork. But that's not what you're recommending anybody to do today. No, and unfortunately as well, what we've seen over the past few months is that we had quite a road. Well, that meant the people that are using the roads are using them much, much, much higher speed. So, again, you're a greater danger going out there if you're meeting people who are, who are speeding. So, just be, be cautious there. And there are a lot more people out there walking now and cycling as well. Yeah. So, another, another uh, uh, added, added thing that we need to be looking out for. And, and also, as well, before you set off on your journey, make sure that your own vehicle is up to up to standard, is up to date, that you do get it, get it checked over. That is the fact that you haven't driven it for a few months that some uh, issues might have risen, make sure that it's, uh, it's well checked over before you head out. Okay, all right. And but the, I think the, I think your advice is really good though about getting out for short drives every day, and the more you do it, exactly your confidence will will build. And it's so important that you do keep this uh, very very important aspect in your life, being able to drive and get yeah. out, and go to where you want, get to visit your friends. So uh, again, speak to. Uh, uh, driving instructors in your own in your own area, they're more than willing to share advice to you. They're the qualified people who can do it. 
And again, you can just uh, go onto our website as well to see this this information that we've put together to help you to get back on the road and to build your confidence and make it, make it a safe journey. And I think for all of us that are out on the road, those of us that were lucky enough that did go out to work every day and, and were out driving, everybody needs to respect everybody else on the road and make allowances for people who, like that, that nervous driver who might be driving a little bit slower than normal as they're building up their confidence and everybody needs to make allowances for the others on the road that we share the roads with. Patricia, we, we've seen a huge, huge uh, show of great community spirit throughout of Ireland for the last few months and we want people to, to continue this uh, great community spirit on the road as well. Whether it's, as you said, meeting someone that's driving a little bit slower, be patient, don't try and uh, blow them off the road and again, showing respect to other road users. A lot of people have made the great choice of taking to the bike or walking to, uh, to work so make sure you show respect to those road users as well. Okay, all right. How's Mayo? How are you getting on? You're coming out of lockdown today, the same as us here in Cork. Yeah, we're 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 getting back there. So again, we're heading in the right direction. Again, it's, it's through the great action, I suppose, of everybody's sacrifices, that everybody has met, and uh, I think as Irish people, we're we're going to get through this. We're resilient, and we do pull together. And the great community spirit has been shown, so we will get there. It was the it's it has been the one huge positive, hasn't it, uh, Noel? Out of all of this uh, pandemic, the way communities rallied, and and in fairness to county councils, the county councils were brilliant in being able to coordinate all of that community spirit. It was it it, it, was, it, it always had been there. It's just that this particular episode has really harnessed it, and people have really put their shoulder to the, the, the wheel and are helping out. Uh, all age groups and we hope this one positive thing that will go forward as we see this uh, great show of, of community spirit and again it was only through like yourself local radio local media that kept the uh, people's spirits up as well keeping the, the positive message going out there and again to uh, take this opportunity as well again to thank all the, the work of all the frontline workers who kept everything going when people had to stay at home yeah well said, well said. And now it's the kickstart the local economy and it's all about shopping local and getting out there and supporting particularly those smaller little independent stores. That's just the bloodline of our community and yeah. smaller businesses and we need to support them when we do head out and we are making that car journeys to the local smaller people that we're heading out to support who have been there all along. Okay. All right. Listen, stay safe in, in Mayo. Noel, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thanks, Trisha. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining us. Bye bye. Bye bye. That sure. is uh, Noel. Bye bye. Noel Gibbons, who is Road Safety Officer with Mayo County Council. Just be careful when you go back out on, on the roads because it can be a bit nerve wracking, particularly if you haven't been driving a lot or in some cases haven't driven at all since the lockdown started. So just. Good advice, I think, from Noel there. Do a little bit of driving every day. Stay local, which is what we're told to do. Stick on the roads that you are familiar with. Pick the times that you're going to go out and drive. Pick a quieter time, but do a little bit of driving every day and it will certainly build your confidence back up. Sadie and Bernie taking your calls uh, today. If anything you want to share with us, 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. See a lot of people uh, commentating on that appalling stabbing and that uh, incident that happened in Carrigaline on uh, the water park area of Carrigaline on Saturday night. Uh, Nora said absolutely appalled at that attack. Uh, Nora in her 
WhatsApp saying appalled by what had happened, but also about the fact that some of the detail that came out about the case, the fact that it went on social media and the alleged attacker, a lot of detail about the alleged attacker, uh, which is wrong as well, says Nora. And then John says, I actually live in the Water Park estate in uh, Carrigaline. We don't see any guards here. It's a disgrace. The speed of cars here in and out is mental. People coming in the back entrance from the Ring of Skiddy area, the speed is a disgrace. Nobody is listening. We can hear cars and bikes here speeding at all hours of the night. People out to Crosshaven and surrounding areas for a burn. It's like Mandela Park. We have plenty of laws, but we don't have any guards, says John. And that's one of the issues that I spoke with Councillor Ben Dalton uh, O'Sullivan, who, in fairness, he uh, has, they have written, and, the, and Cork County Council have written to the guard there, uh, Commissioner, looking for extra resources from Carrigan Line. Is it going to take a case like this now to highlight it so that they get the resources that they need? This is interesting. This is on the fact that we're now able to drive. We can drive anywhere within the county. The advice still is to stay local. And if you need to go outside the county, 20 kilometres is the max where you can go and that's particularly applicable to people who live in the border counties they just live on the border because I know when we started talking on Friday about the possibility of being allowed to travel look, travel within your county we had a number of people you know from like the Kilbehany area and Ballyporeen area saying you know we live very close to, to Limerick to Cork and to Tipperary you know where, if we were to stay within our county what are we to do so that's why then there's a lot of people all over the country will live in towns that will border into other counties and because of that that's why they introduced stay local stay in your own county but if you have to go across the border you can go into another county 20 kilometres is as far as you can go um, somebody says driving around the county is fine but what about finding a loo if you're 20 kilometres from your home which is something that I hadn't thought about because the hotel because hotels are closed, pubs are closed, some of the cafes have started to open, but there's not going to be as many places. I don't know about public toilets. Are there many public toilets open? But that is going to be a problem. That listener is absolutely uh, correct. Uh, thank you for that. 1850 And then an East Cork listener says, we went out yesterday for the first time. We did everything we've been told to do after these past weeks and months and staying indoors. My partner and I, though, decided we'd venture out and we'd go out and get an ice cream. A couple of young boys and then the listener says in brackets, men, so young men, uh, were outside our car and while they were talking, every single one of them was spitting on the ground. If this is what being out is like, I'd rather stay at home. Uh, enjoy listening to your programme from an East Cork uh, listener. Yeah, it's, it's an absolutely disgusting habit, but even because just because the pandemic happened, we're all scrambling to get a vaccine, but there'll never be a vaccine for stupidity or a vaccine for ignorance. I just think it's such an ignorant thing to do to be out publicly and spitting, particularly during a, pan, a pandemic when we've been ta- spoken about droplets coming out of people's mouth and how we all need to uh, protect ourselves. But just look after yourself. Move well clear of those men, young men, and what they're getting up to for sure. OK, still getting in um, a lot of commentary on the stabbing and the, what happened in Carrigaline. And can I just say to people, there's a lot of people giving detail of the alleged attack I obviously, I'm very conscious this is a court case and we've just checked in with Fiona. It hasn't, 
they're not in court yet. It's happening. Some, it, was, it was meant to be at half ten. It hasn't happened uh, yet. But we're, we're keeping an eye on monitoring that story. And hopefully before we wrap up the programme today, Fiona will be able to join us to tell us what has happened and what has been the outcome of the alleged attacker being brought to court uh, today. But there's a lot of people going into detail for very obvious reasons. I can't get into any kind of detail either about what happened are about the alleged attacker. So just to let people know you're wasting your time sending in those kind of texts. I just, I can't go near them. And I certainly do not want to do anything that could prejudice a case that's before the courts today. And that was one of the reasons why at the weekend people were being asked to stop sharing the video and the commentary that was coming with uh, the video. I mean, I saw at one stage on one Twitter feed that I was watching, uh, somebody had the alleged attacker's you know, photograph of him, which got shared very quickly, but full name and address, don't even the postcode was on the address. So people just need to stop and be very, very careful. Let the justice system handle it. While we all think we should be judging and jury, we can't. And particularly in a case like this, we can't. There's a judicial system there for a reason. But uh, a listener says on the stabbing in, this is Tim and yours. Sorry, Tim, thank you for putting your name on your text. Uh, the stabbing in Carrigaline. Are we going to see the rallies and protests with regard to this incident? And if not, why not? There is no difference from the US uh, incident. Why are the Liberals all gone silent on this incident. Is it the fact that there's no opportunity for looting here in Cork? This is an outrageous and violent attack on a young innocent man. The footage is all over the media. How much more evidence do they now need? All the culprits involved in this um, should be imprisoned. I think they're, they're two very different cases, though. The case in America that you're speaking about, George Floyd, was murder. Let's, let's call it out for what it was by members of the police. Thankfully, Thankfully, the young boy in the incident in Carrigaline, please God, he will make a full recovery. It was a vicious, vicious assault. But they are two, I think, two very different cases. But should we be out protesting? Should people be out protesting over what's going on with young people? And, and what do we do about young people? I can see a number of texts coming in on that same vein. Said, you know, what kind of children are, are, we, are we are we rearing? How is stabbing? You know, we've heard of young people going out with knives. On this case, I think it, seemed it was a broken bottle. But I mean, even the thought that somebody will break a bottle and would go at somebody with it are, to me, the ones that really frighten me are when you hear of young, you know, stabbing going on where the young person brought a knife with them that they would actually go out with a knife you know down their sock or in their pocket that just I don't know where that mentality comes from I, I don't understand it at all uh, Meg is is pointing though is it the picture we need to point the finger blame at the parents and she's also talking about what about the parents of the out of control young people who are hiring the houses on the College Road area in uh, Cork City why are those parents not driving to the city and taking control of their young people. And seemingly those house parties continued on at the weekend. We're not going to get to it today, but we are hoping to check in with the residents tomorrow on the programme. But it, it looks like those house parties, even with all of the media attention, you would think that they would stop. But it seems that it's they, they certainly seem to have continued over the weekend as well, which is uh, truly, uh, truly uh, shocking. Okay, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Also coming in, morning, Patricia. I was so annoyed at the weekend with all the protesting that was going on due to the awful death of that uh, 
George Floyd in America. But says this texter, I think all lives matter. Most of the posters are reading Black Lives Matter. What do other listeners think? Thanking you, Patricia. Do we not need to treasure all lives? I say to the protest, protesters, stay safe and stay uh, local. Well, I think the reason why it's so important that their posters have the Black Lives Matters and, of course, all lives matter, but the ethnic minorities in many countries they don't matter. And I think because of that, we all have the opportunity to say, yes, black lives do matter. But absolutely, you're, you're correct. All lives matter. But I think in an instant like this, it's it's showing some solidarity to all of the ethnic minority groups and those of colour that we do think their lives matter no matter what. And that what happened in America was Absolutely uh, shocking. Actually, Michael wants to comment on that. There was a great text in from Michael earlier and uh, he's been, he was texting last week as well about uh, Donald Trump and about racism. But Michael, this morning, said, Patricia, hi, it's very tempting to think that we're living through one mental period of history. But right now, uh, it does feel like the world is shifting. The biggest superpower, the USA, is in the grip of uprising against race, racism and discrimination with anger spreading across the globe. It's reached the streets of Britain and here in Ireland, while we grapple with the biggest health crisis in a generation. It really began, though, back when the Republican senators knew that Donald Trump was dangerously unfit for office and when they voted to acquit him after a sham impeachment trial earlier this year, unrest began thereafter. Their cacophony has cost American lives and livelihoods as Trump proved tragically incompetent at the outbreak of the pandemic, uncaring, uninterested as tens of millions have lost their jobs. The fallout and the terrifying and belligerent approach in his handling of the protests against police violence in recent days. Trump and his team need to pay a heavy price for their conduct in office in the ballot box. And that is from Michael in Castletown. Yeah, and I would agree the scenes coming out from America really are shocking and it seems to be it's worse they seem to be getting than better uh, for sure. Okay, what else is coming into us by text? Lots of different commentary coming in. Sandy says, Patricia, I heard your comment earlier that you described as a rant. This is when I was saying why are special needs adults, why would they not mention on Friday in the roadmap and when are we going to get day services back up and uh, running? And I said that was my rant over. Sandy said, well, it wasn't a rant because it was a fact. For example, we've heard of the HSA, the Health and Safety Authority's threat to close down non-compliant workplaces. Well, it's just been made known that HSA staff were only issued with the paperwork needed to classify them as essential workers that would then allow them to work and travel as required. Officials in government should wake up and get administration working properly, but it seems to be all red tape that is dragging this country to its knees. That's from uh, Sandy. Mary says, hi, I'm one of the seniors with the lockdown almost gone. I'm still afraid to go out shopping. Why, you may ask? Well, the World Health Organization have recommended that we wear surgical masks. Why do we not make it mandatory that everybody over the age of 12 should wear a mask in a public place? We should wear them in shopping centres. We should wear it on public transport. We should wear them in supermarkets, in all types of shops. Autistic people will, if they see other people wearing them, wear them as well. Please make it a public outcry for a case to wear masks to keep COVID crushed and to keep us all safe. Then we will use transport and visit shops. Thanking you, says uh, Mary. And I'm wondering, is Mary speaking on behalf of a number of other seniors who now 
as in from today, are allowed to go out and do their own shopping if they want to do their own shopping. The advice still is to stay at home. But if they want to go out shopping, they can. And many of them have been really compliant and have stayed indoors as soon as they were told, we need to keep, we need to look after you, we need to mind you, you need to stay indoors, let other people do your shopping, let other people do any other work that you need outside of the home. Uh, and they've been very compliant about it. But I'm wondering, is Mary summing up, are there many older people who are just nervous about going on, going out and, you know, resuming some kind of a normal life again and would the wearing of masks, would they feel more comfortable if when they went out they saw everybody wearing uh, masks? I mean, I have noticed, I can't even say it's a 50-50 spread on people wearing masks. Certainly at the weekend there seemed to be a lot more people in the, I was, the supermarket I was in, there seemed to be a lot more people wearing masks than I even saw, say, on the previous uh, weekend. But, you know, I, at the moment, there doesn't seem to be this push by the government and indeed Tony Houlihan to push for the compulsory wearing of masks. I know in England they have introduced the compulsory, I think it's from today, the compulsory wearing of masks on all public transport. You will not be allowed on a bus, a train, a tram or the underground unless you have a mask on. And of course, you wear masks not to protect yourself. You wear masks so that you... If, if God forbid you have COVID nineteen, that you won't spread it to anybody else, and that's where the that's where the wearing of the masks uh, come in. But I'd be interested to hear from older people how they're feeling. Are they like Mary? Are they nervous about heading back out into the big, beautiful world in which we live, and the new world in which we live? And would they feel more comfortable if everybody was wearing a mask? Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Hi, Patricia. What was announced on Friday? And the reopening of phase two, phase two plus was too much too soon, according to this uh, list. No consideration for healthcare workers who put their lives on the line while the virus raged. Remember, folks, this virus hasn't gone away. It's still out there. If and when it comes back, it will be the same HSE personnel who will be standing there again for all of us. And that is from uh, a listener in Killarney who feels the decision that was made and again we'll throw it out there to see how others feel do you think it's too much too soon have they jumped in too fast should they be waiting should we all should they have gone with the phases which were much more structured and where it's allowing for very little to open today and we'd have to wait another three weeks to see how we got on which what would be allowed to open today to see where we are in another three weeks time your thoughts uh, welcomed on that 1850-333-103 and can anybody please help out Kate one of our listeners to say Kate recently bought two new kettles now I don't know why she bought two but she did one is a plastic one and then one is a metal one but she now has a problem she's getting a taste of metal from the metal one and she's getting a taste of plastic from the plastic one now she has tried she's tried putting lemon and vinegar into both of the kettles she's even tried cleaning them it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. 
Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Out with carbonate of soda, no luck. Does anybody else, can anybody offer advice on how to get rid of the bad taste? And by the way, she has boiled it several times, but she's still tasting the metal off the metal kettle and the plastic off the plastic kettle. Does anybody know how to get rid of that? I'm, I'm surprised that it's still there. I mean, normally, yeah, on the first one or two boils, you would get it. But surprised to hear it's still there. But Kate said she's trying everything, desperate for a nice cup of tea, a nice cup of coffee, but she's getting this plasticky taste or this metal taste. Does anybody know? She's tried the lemon, the vinegar and the bicarbonate of soda. Does anybody know any other solution that you can pass on to our Kate? 1850-333-103. Sadie and Bernie taking your calls today. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. A chef or a cook and her kitchen assistant all wanted for a busy kitchen that's in the Mill Street area. Job does come with flexible hours. Araglan House Nursing Home, that's in Bohagui. They're recruiting for a full-time experienced housekeeper. Previous nursing home experience will be desirable, but it's not essential. Part-time groomer required for a busy veterinary practice that's in the Dohollow area. And a person wanted for a part-time position in a North Cork office. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork, Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now we have spoken on the programme to families with children who have intellectual disabilities about the challenges facing their families and especially how some of their children have regressed due to the school closures. So to discuss July provision, which the Department of Education says will happen this year, I'm joined by Mark O'Connor, who is Community Engagement Officer with Inclusion Ireland. Good morning to you, Mark. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, for people who don't have a child with special needs, can you just explain to people what July provision is? Sure. Look, July provision, it's, it's actually, it, its real title is the extended school year, which kind of explains it slightly better. Um, if, if we go right back, and it, it actually goes back to a court case, in, in the Cork area in, in the 90s um, from Paul O'Donoghue, a young man with quite a severe intellectual disability. But part of the judgment of that case, it was recognised that people with significant intellectual disabilities, um, that that the long summer break had a, a very detrimental impact on their education. So in response to that um, judgment, uh, I suppose the, the, the judge asked the Department of Education to come up with some sort of a solution July provision being that solution that children, instead of having all of July and August off, that um, there was an additional month of education that was delivered to children with severe and profound intellectual disabilities. And then sometime in the early 2000s, that was broadened to include um, children with um, a diagnosis of autism. OK, 
okay. Uh, because it doesn't, it's not for every child that's attending a special needs school. No, it's not. And that's that's always been a concern for ourselves in Inclusion Ireland. Um, you know, there, there, there are plenty of children who, who, who would benefit from this programme greatly. Children with moderate intellectual disabilities, uh, you know, they've got quite significant education needs. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the risk of those children regressing over the summer months is equally as great as others. Now, one positive, um, I, I think last week there was a lot of confusion around what was happening and not. But I suppose in, in, in light of all that, the Minister has issued a statement on Friday evening and has stated um, clearly that children with Down syndrome will be able to access the July provision programme for the first time this year wow. in, in 2020. So that's a major concession from the department. Now, given what's happened with COVID-19 this year, um, I, I can say in, inclusion Ireland, we, we'll be actively pushing the department all the way to include all children with um, with disabilities. Um, and I, I did um, I did omit one little piece earlier in saying that, um, in explaining fully what July provision is, it's some, it, some, for some children, it's based in school, so they go and have their regular school, um, uh, regular school work in school with maybe their own teacher or maybe a slightly different teacher. And then for some children, mainly kids who attend a mainstream school, the department issues a grant to the family who then goes out and finds a teacher and hires that teacher to come into their home and deliver the the education programme in the home for the child. So kind of two elements, the school element and the home element. But wasn't there a bit of confusion last week that the homeschooling wasn't going to go ahead? Yeah, look, um, Inclusion Ireland and a number of other groups, um, as I am, the autism charity, uh, Down Syndrome Ireland, and I think Enable Ireland may have been there as well. And we, we were briefed by the department that they were going to narrow the scheme and um, the, the home element would be gone um, and it would only be available to children in special classes and schools. Now, this would have been a severe restriction of it. Now, we, we obviously um, communicated that to our membership and there was a, a huge backlash and people were very, very worried and naturally so. So in fairness to the minister, he came out almost immediately and stated that what was communicated to us wouldn't be the case and that um, the this, this scheme would, in fact, any, anyone who had been eligible before. So I would, I would say to any families that are out there, if, if your family member has been able to access the scheme before, you will be included this year. Um, the home element is going to go ahead. So if, if, you know, we know that, like, you know, July provision ordinarily starts now in, in the next number of weeks. Mm. Families have got shooters lined up you know, I would urge you to keep keep those uh, keep keep your um, your relationships with your tutors going, um, because there there is going to be a home element of it. And, and as I noted earlier, it is to be widened to include um, those young people with Down syndrome. Brilliant, brilliant. That's that. That certainly is uh, good yep. news. And do you know, uh, Mark, at this stage, is work underway in special needs schools to prepare for July provision? Um. To be honest, um, what we got from the department was um, it, it, it gave us the impression that, that that's a piece of work that has to be undertaken. Um, I, I noted even in the minister's statement on Friday night, he was looking for um, the goodwill and participation of 
and um, and, and also of teachers um, to participate in the program and support these young people. Now, I know that uh, some initial contacts have been made, but as far as as far as we know, um, well, I suppose the proof of the pudding is in that uh, applications aren't out for children yet. Um, we, we're getting numerous inquiries, and we, we actually had a flood of inquiries over the weekend um, from families where it would normally happen within the school environment, and they've had no contact as yet. I suppose up until now, it, it's been very much um, it's been very much in the dark as to whether schools would reopen at all before September, mm. um, and whether July provision would go ahead. So, as far as we know, that contact is still in its infancy stages. They'd want to get moving, though, Mark, wouldn't they? Uh, look, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I know the I know the department have had. Um, I suppose they've had the whole leave insert issues on on their plate for the last number of months. But there's a significant section of the department that deals with special education alone. Yeah. You would have been hopeful of that um, something a little bit, you know, more concrete um, would be out there for parents at this stage. Applications aren't out as yet. Um, like they, they so, are, so it's not worth any. It's not worth any of the parents listening to us contacting their school. Um, I would, I would still contact the school to see if any provisions have been put in place as yet. But I know that the department um, are only they're only starting to engage in that work as we speak. Okay, all right. Uh, fingers crossed, because I mean, I'm, so, I'm, I'm assuming schools yeah. have a lot of work to do. They've been closed since the middle of March. They have a lot of work yeah. to do to get the schools ready. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I will say that in in the meeting we had last Thursday, and um, the department officials said they were hoping to announce final details in the following ten to fourteen days. So that that would be this middle week. of next week. Okay. Um, that, okay. that gives parents and and schools. No, at, at that stage, schools and uh, teachers will have, will have been lined up, but that'll, that'll give parents about two weeks to prepare and uh, get ready for a July provision. But um, while it's traditionally been July provision, it is something that may even extend into August. OK, yeah. I suppose okay, we, we simply yeah. don't know because not all of the details are right there. Oh, okay. OK, and are you hearing, uh, Mark, at in Inclusion Ireland, are you hearing from many families concerned about their children and the fact that they haven't been attending school now for, for three months and the effect that it's having? Yeah, look, Patricia, absolutely. In um, ju- just, over, um, just over a month ago, um, we surveyed families and we asked them what impact it was having on their families. Um, so, like, like we, you know, we, we, we can say definitively that... Uh, sorry, no, I should say that... In, in our initial report, um, we had seven three three families responded, but we we had a such a, um, an interest in the survey that we, we had to reopen it, and we we had a total response then just in excess of a thousand respondents. Wow! So ninety um, percent of of respondents said their children are missing school. Um, home education is it's it's not working. Um, you know, I suppose teachers are trying their best to reach out to children but for children with disabilities it's not working for the vast majority and when you think of it there are huge barriers there for parents parents are working at home there are other children in the house they they don't have access to the same learning materials and support children would have in schools and then there's the child's motivation um, and and a lot of a lot of what the parents were saying to us was that um, 
child has, you know, he has it in his mind that home is home and school is where the learning happens. But what, what one interesting thing that did come up with Trisha was there is, um, you know, this, despite, um, you know, when, when we look around, we see smartphones and technology everywhere. It's not everybody that, that has it. Um, so I suppose 116 people reported that they didn't have a smartphone, a laptop, an iPad or broadband in the home. So that kind of, that, that hampers that whole... Um, on online learning, yeah. yeah, 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 it hampers the whole online learning, and and even when you when when we dug a little deeper into the free responses that people um, gave to the survey, online learning it's it's it doesn't work for children with the highest um, learning and behaviour mm. difficulties. They need that one on one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. children with severe autism, severe intellectual disability. They really need that one-to-one learning and the whole virtual piece simply isn't working for them. And heartbreaking for parents, Mark, to watch their children regressing. You know, children that have been and doing look, so I'm, well and, you know, reaching yeah. little their own little goals and slowly, slowly losing them, losing the skill yeah, set that they'd yeah. learned. No, no, absolutely, Patricia. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it is, it, it's, it's heartbreaking for parents to see it. And, you know, this, this is, um, you know, the, the, I suppose the, the extended break from school, it has the potential to undo a lot of that brilliant work that's been done by um, by teachers and parents um, with these young people. And, it can, you know, the, the, the research will show us it, it can take a significant period um, of, of time for, for children to catch back up again. So, you know, we that, that's why we would urge the Minister that um, all children with disabilities should be able to access um, a, summer, a summer education programme. Okay. Okay. So when you mentioned the grants that are available for homeschooling, a listener wants to know what kind of funding is given to parents of um, children with autism. Do you know what what, what is the funding? Yeah, um, I can't remember the exact sum, but what what the funding covers is it covers for twenty hours of home tuition over a four week period. Okay. So two two hours of education a day. Now the department have a set rate that they pay substitute teachers per hour. Um, it's based so on it, that. It, it's based on that. And it literally, you know, it, it literally goes, it, it, it can be technical in how it works sometimes, but literally in a lot of cases, what it, it literally goes through the parents' hands and into the tutor's yeah, hands. Yeah. But some some of these, uh, some of these teachers would already, would already be registered with the Department of Education. So make, that makes it easier. And for, for those guys, it just goes straight to their account. Okay. But it, it, it is, it is, it is one of the things as well that hampers actually teachers taking part because while the work occurs in July, teachers generally don't get paid for this until November, October, November kind of time. So the work is done three or four months before the payments are made. And that's the way it's always been though, isn't it? That's not, that's not just it, this year. It's, yeah, it's been that way for the last five or six years. Okay, anyway. that's something that needs to be worked out. Okay, and before it, it, I let you go, something that I, I touched on and had a bit of a rant about uh, earlier on when we were talking about the opening up of uh, phase two, uh, the one thing that really disappointed me uh, on from what I could see of all the press briefings on Friday, there was absolutely no mention of adults with special needs and when their day services and respite services are, are going to uh, reopen. Have you any indication as to when the day services will reopen for adults? Yeah, um, I know that there, there is work going on within the HSE and we, we've actually been asked to attend a meeting on it tomorrow where, where the, 
the planning is beginning there. Um, I well, well, I wouldn't have a definitive timeline. It's certainly in the. It certainly would be in the order of weeks and not in the order of months. Okay. Um, there's going to be great difficulty there. Um, now we we met with the Minister of Health on Thursday, and we've asked the Minister to um, contact his colleagues in the Department of Finance to try and seek what we've called a COVID fund, so that when services reopen, that as many people as possible can go and attend for as long as is possible. Because a lot of the buildings that are out there, um, we'd have numerous people attending them and social distancing is going to be a great difficulty even getting to them you know we, we know for example that CIE buses are going around now where only one in every four seats can be taken up so there's, go, there's going to be difficulty getting people there as well so we, we've asked uh, the Minister for Health now we, we did get a positive response in that he's hoping to get some sort of a fund available no promises on it yet but I, I would say yeah like we're, we're hoping to um, also this week release a report in relation to the experience of uh, adults with intellectual disabilities who can't attend their services at the moment. Okay. But our sense of it is that it, it, there, there will definitely be word in the next couple of weeks. But with one final thing I'd say, Patricia, is that if, the, if there are families out there and you're really struggling, contact your service provider because there is always scope for them to work with people who are having great difficulty during this period. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Mark, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Mark O'Connor, Community Engagement Officer with Inclusion Ireland. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now, Clonakilty, the only town in the whole of Ireland to have a town mayor, saw the installation of their newest first citizen last Thursday evening. So this morning, our first chance to speak with this year's mayor of Clonakilty, uh, Patrick O'Reilly. Good morning to you, Patrick. Uh, good morning, Patricia. And con- Thank you for having me. Well, show. congratulations to you. And because of COVID nineteen restrictions, I'm assuming the handover was very different this year. No public gathering. Absolutely, Patricia. Well, um, we had a private gathering in Burn um, Hill Hotel, and I'm very grateful to Michael and Teresa for giving us the facilities for, for the ceremony. So it's just basically um, a very short ceremony. Uh, my family and myself were in attendance, and um, yeah, we're so greatly honoured to um, take over the, the chain from Michael. And I suppose remind listeners how the mayors are are are, are selected. There is actually there is an election, but it's an election once every five years. It's an election every five years, Patricia. Um, it started back in twenty fourteen when the town councils were disbanded by the government by the thing government. Um, the local heritage group Duke of Slanakilty, um took on the role of um, setting up the the mayoral election, and here we are in our second. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's been hugely, hugely uh, successful. Why did you decide? Why did you decide to put your name forward for it? Well, I suppose just give me a brief history on myself, Patricia. I stood for the town council elections in 2009, which was the last town council elections in Ireland. Um, I was unsuccessful at the time, and then in 2014, the mayor council elections came up. Uh, I suppose at the time I had so much on, I didn't have time to give. I, I knew I wouldn't be able to give the time. When it came up last year, um, I said to myself that I would be able to give the time and rep- be able to represent the people of Clannacilty. And it's just that, you know, 
I've lived in Clannock County all my life. It's a fantastic town and I'd like to be part of promoting the town as well, you know. Well done. Well, well done. Are you disappointed that you won't be able to attend as many of the community events as, say, previous mayors did? Absolutely. And just even even yesterday would have been kind of guilty agricultural show, which would have been one of the, the big days for us to attend. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, it's going to be a quite start to my, my term. But, um, look, we're, we're going to be in town tomorrow visiting the, the old businesses that have opened today. Well done. Just to give them a, a, give them a, a bit of support. Uh, so there is things happening, um, but look, I suppose as, as the, the restrictions start being lifted and it starts being safer to do things, we will have events to attend, so yeah, we yeah. still be busy. Yeah, things this time will pass. Um, how how do you see the town of Clonakilty recovering post-COVID-19? Uh, look, Patricia, I suppose I've lived here all my life, and there's one thing that really stands out in Clonakilty for me is the, the Kendall spirit in the town. There's a very strong community uh, background here. Um, we've survived flooding, we've survived many other uh, storms and stuff like that. Um, and there's no doubt that the, the community will roll behind the businesses, the schools, the young people. We'll all come together again um, and, and make sure that the town comes back on a football. And are you hopeful that some of this year's tourism season can be saved? I mean, Clon is a big, big tourist town. Absolutely, Patricia. And hopefully we might get some people, you know, that, that didn't visit Clannacilty before from our, from different parts of Ireland that instead of, of going over the country, um, this is an opportunity for them to come. And look, once it's safe to do so, Clannacilty, when it's open fully, we will welcome everybody to Clannacilty. Yeah, you know, I've I've been banging on about this um, ever since the pandemic began. And, and we know uh, people are not going to be travelling overseas or very few will be travelling overseas. This this could be a great opportunity for towns I, I, like hurt, Clonakilty. Certainly, Patricia, yeah. And I think it's it's a time when, you know, we as, as a community and other communities in the country should grasp this opportunity now and take it as, take it as the hill and, you know, show off our towns, show off our communities, show what we have to offer both to our local people, to the people all over the country. And maybe people might start realising, you know, there's a lot more in Ireland than there is further afield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then today with the start of phase two plus and all of the businesses, a lot of the businesses are now uh, reopening in Clonakilty today. More important than ever, Porrick, that we focus on shopping locally. Absolutely. If that's the main, main aspect we're going to be pushing for the next couple of weeks and months is that we get people to come out, support the businesses. You know, they have taken uh, their time and put their trust into Clonakilty to open a business here, number one. And I think we now need to repay that back to the people that are here with businesses in Clannacilty and show them their support and uh, let them know that we're there to be there, there for them as well. Okay. And before your term of office um, ends, I believe you'd, you'd like to recognise the town's frontline staff and those businesses that we were talking about that have kept the town going. Absolutely, Patricia. Um, it's one one thing. Look, I work on the frontline services myself, the fire service. Um, we've seen firsthand, again, what the the Clannacilty Community Hospital here has been phenomenal in their their, their response to the COVID-19. Um, and I think we can come together when it's safe to do so sometime next year and celebrate one big day in Clannacilty and honour everybody, businesses, frontline staff, schools, older people in the community. I think we can all come together, have one big celebration and say, we did it, we, can't, we, we, we kept COVID, we got COVID back to basics, 
we've got our town opened and let's celebrate together. Well, well done, and we will look forward to that day. Um, okay, Porig, listen, uh, congratulations uh, to you and enjoy your year as Mayor of Clonakilty. And thank you for joining us on the programme today. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning thank to you. Bye bye. The very latest newly elected Mayor of Clonakilty Town, uh, Podrick O'Reilly. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Uh, by the way, can I say hi to Rose and the gang at Tarish Jock, the charity shop in Dunmanway. They're absolutely delighted, they say, to have reopened this morning. So the customers have been amazing and everybody passing is waving in at them. Well done. So hi to Rose and the rest of the gang at Tarish Jock. Brilliant charity shop in Dunmanway. And also the Aurora charity shop in Mallow. That has reopened this morning. They have new opening hours to start with uh, 11 until 4, Monday to Saturday. So the best of luck. That's another fantastic uh, charity shop. And I know the Vincent's shops have opened. I think we're, we're hoping to talk with the Vincent's shops uh, tomorrow. But please remember to support your charity shops. We have many fantastic charity shops uh, right throughout the city and county. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Your calls and texts and comments coming in, by the way. Questions for Annalise, please. She'll join us after half past 12, answering your nutritional questions, 1850-333-103. The girl's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We had a call in saying, when are caravan sites due to reopen? So we spoke with Seafield Caravan Park. They're based in Yall and they say the caravan parks have been given the go-ahead to reopen on the 29th of June, which is the same date that uh, restaurants are going to be allowed to reopen as well. And um, our hotel is opening on that date as well. But if you want to get to a caravan site, 29th of June, just in time, I suppose, to get away on your holidays. Uh, John was on to say people should be prosecuted for going on those marches in the city over the weekend. If we get a second wave of COVID-19, it will be their fault, says John. I know people have been crying because they haven't been able to see their grandchildren in months and yet you can see uh, tens of hundreds of thousands of people turning out to protest in the Black Lives Matter. And there's nothing wrong with protesting in itself but it's to do with the social distancing and it's to do with the sense of protesting during a pandemic and, and you just wonder. I think, I mean, some of the protests from around the world, particularly the ones in America, and we know, we know how America has been devastated with COVID-19 and they're nowhere near flattening the curve like we are in this country. And every time I see a protest on the news coming out from America, that's the first thing I'm looking at is, is how close they are all together. I know a lot of them were wearing masks, etc. But you just worry if there's somebody in the middle of it who has COVID-19, didn't realise they have COVID-19. You just think how many people are they going to uh, infect and only time will tell. I think John is right. We'll have to wait and see within the next 10 to 14 days to see if people get affected from any of those large uh, protests. Um, And by the way, we've had a couple of people on to us about the burning or what people are claiming is burning that went on at the golf club in Castletown Bear. So we're looking into it to see if we can find out what exactly happened and what exactly has gone on. And we'll get back to you. I don't know if we'll get to it today or not, but we've got somebody taking taking a look for us so that we can find out because we got on to the golf club this morning, but they didn't seem to know what we were talking about. So just... um, for people who've been texting in about it I'm not ignoring you uh, we're looking into it as we speak Patton from Moy wants to know uh, will the return of the chicken suppers come back into the pubs and this is to do with the fact that pubs that serve food 
are able to open on the 29th of June because we know restaurants are allowed to open on the 29th of June and now it's been decreed that a pub serves food they're also uh, going to be able to open. Initially, we thought that the pubs were going to have to have a restaurant licence, but Leah Radker came out of the weekend and said, no, that's not the case. If a pub serves food, they can reopen on the 29th of June. Now, some of the guidelines that have been given, they will have to give customers limited time slots on the premises. They will need to have to provide a substantial meal. Guidelines for the opening of the hospitality uh, sector are due to be published in full tomorrow but sources in the drafting up of the document say pubs intending to open at the end of the month will be may be asked to provide two courses and to operate table service only. Hotels will also be advised uh, because the hotels are going to reopen but there's new guidelines uh, for them. Uh, some of the ones for the hotels for example, that wonderful breakfast buffet that I always enjoy. I love the leisurely sitting having your breakfast and hopping up and down to the buffet. I just think it's part of going away and getting away and I always enjoy it. That unfortunately is going to be gone. We're going to have to have the breakfast delivered uh, to the room which is okay, which is okay. We can we can cope with that. But they're also looking at things like key cards will be put on guests' phones and anything to limit the actual handing of one item to another item. That's kind of the way that they are uh, looking. But the big one is for the pubs who are going to start serving food so that they can open earlier then the pubs are allowed to open. I mean, I saw things at the weekend. People, you know, people were saying, sure, if a pub had a, had a sandwich maker and they were able to do toasted ham and cheese sandwich with a bowl of soup, isn't that food? And could they open them? And I think some pubs were actually considering that. You know, I'll offer a bit of food. So, and that's what Pat is saying. We'll be back to the chicken supper. So it looks like they're going to have to do at least two courses, which will make them a proper restaurant. But you will be seated. There'll be no standing at the bar. Certainly not from the 29th of June. So let's wait and see what comes out for the hospitality industry and what the recommendations are. As I say, they're expected to be announced uh, tomorrow. On face masks, and should we be wearing face masks or not, uh, Nora said that she always wears a face mask when she goes out. But she says if you wear glasses, and I'm assuming Nora wears glasses, the glasses seem to fog up. We, we've discussed this actually, Nora, before before on the programme. I don't know what kind of a mask you're, you're wearing. The proper medical surgical ones which we're told not to wear we need to keep those for the frontline staff they have a band going across the top of the nose kind of like a little metal strip and that kind of holds the band snugly against your nose so you don't have that issue now lots of people were coming up with suggestions I know pipe cleaners were one of the ones if it's a homemade mask you could actually sew a pipe cleaner into the top the part that goes over the bridge of your nose and then you fit it snugly around the bridge of your nose and it stops the fogging up of the glasses and somebody else made a suggestion that before you head out before you put your mask on if you take your glasses off and you wipe them with washing up liquid clean them with washing up liquid and then polish up the glasses and it stops them fogging up. You get a few hours without your glasses fogging up so that might be worth a go for you, Nora. It might just work for you. Christopher said people have been inside for the last uh, three months. Uh, Of course the shops should be reopening today. Um, Christopher says I don't think masks should be made compulsory. If people continue to wash their hands, keep social distancing, then we all will be fine. Everyone just has to a bit of responsibility. I think everyone has to look after themselves. Yes, the social distancing, the hand washing and the cough etiquette. There's so many things there that we can do ourselves 
to keep ourselves safe and you can't allow for the stupidity of others but the whole thing is when you're out is to try to keep yourself safe. Okay, a lot of questions coming in for Annalise. Thank you for those. What else is coming in to uh, us? Connor says, Patricia, one of the successful enterprises of recent years as far as Cove people are concerned is the bus service between Cove and Cork. At peak time, in the good times, they could fill two buses but obviously in the lockdown, lockdown down times, eight would be a crowd at any peak time on the buses but the service was maintained by the operators without much reduction in what has got to be unprofitable times the operators maybe they had to meet obligations says Connor but they certainly kept up a regular service so well done to the operators of that bus service between Cove and uh, Cork. Hi Patricia, when can over 70s return to work please? There was nothing, I've gone through the phase the roadmap phase and the opening up of phase two there's nothing in it to say that over 70s can go back. It um, it says if you're over 70 or medically vulnerable, please use your judgement to decide how best to follow the public health guidance and the public health guidance for those over 70s and medically vulnerable. Stay at home as much as possible. You may welcome small numbers of people into your home but maintain social distancing. For shopping please use these the time specially allocated by retailers and if you're visiting someone who's over 70 or medically vulnerable please be extra vigilant that's the advice not a mention at all about them uh, returning to work and I assume from the public health guidelines guidance the first line is stay at home as much as possible I assume from that it means don't return to work stay at home uh, thank you for your text hi Trish is the motor tax office open stay safe it's not it still remains closed you can do your on, still closed to the public it has been since the 16th of March I've just checked on their web site and it is still remaining closed. You can um, the online service motortax.ie continues to open, uh, continues to operate as does the postal service so no it is it is still closed. Michael says Patricia how are you? I had hoped says Michael that AIR might reconsider the imposition of the charge that they're introducing for their email service what with COVID-19 etc. Well I've just received an email from them this morning saying the charge comes in from the 1st of July. This is so disappointing from a consumer point of view as people are under pressure enough at the moment says Michael. Yeah and I remember when that was I can't remember off the top of my head. I know we did we spoke about it at the time when those emails went around from Mayor saying they were going to start charging for anyone who had their email service with them. They were they did a lead in period which gave people the opportunity to switch and go you know to one of the free free ones like uh, Gmail uh, etc. But for I know a number of people they just felt the inconvenience of having to contact everybody to say you know the new email address was putting people off and because of that people were just sucking up the charge and saying they're going to have to pay for it um, but when you say it's coming in from the 1st of July did they extend it? I thought that charge was meant to come in earlier so I think they gave an extra few months leeway but just to let people know if you do have your email account with AIR those charges haven't been forgotten about and according to Michael they're now in from the 1st of July yes I, I would agree with you Michael it is disappointing in the current financial pressure that a lot of people are finding themselves uh, under and hi Patricia could you find out what's happening with the recycling bin in Dunmanway it's been gone now with two months and our nearest one is McCroom we'll see if we can find out anything on that and actually somebody else was asking about recycling facilities as well 
Who was this? This was a texter says, Patricia, is there any way of finding out if the recycling lorry is back in operating at the Super Value car park in Bantry? Thanking you. If anybody can update us on that, let us know, please, because listeners are anxious to get back out recycling. And people have been really good about storing it in sheds and, and whatever. That's why it's terrific that the civic, the civic, the other civic community sites are all open and operating again and operating as normal you can recycle all of your items there uh, Mary is reacting to Kate who had contacted us about the kettle she has she's ended up buying two kettles and she's having the same problem with both one is a plastic kettle one is a metal kettle plastic kettle no matter what she does is tasting of plastic and the metal kettle no matter what she does when she boils the water is tasting of metal here's one whether Kate wants to try this or not because she tried everything else the lemon the vinegar bicarbonate of soda nothing is is working to get rid of the taste Mary says tell Kate that years ago people used to boil potatoes in a new kettle for the first boil I did not know that but it's listen I think at this stage for Kate she'll try anything so you go Kate try boiling potatoes and then clean out the kettle and boil it again and see how you get on Uh, thank you for that Mary says keep safe keep safe yourself as well and Jay this is um antisocial behaviour and that awful uh, stabbing incident in Carrigallon and by the way we've been in contact throughout the morning with uh, Fiona Corcoran who we've sent to the courthouse because there's meant to be a court case pending today uh, with the alleged attacker and still it hasn't been heard yet and so I don't know if we're going to get anything from that case before we knock off at, at one o'clock and then also we were talking about the young people who are renting the properties in and around the college colleges in the city and the drinking that's going on in the house parties Jay says Patricia I'm sick of all the soft laws and you can't do that brigade when I, young, when I was a young fella if a young fella got a clip around the ear or a kick in the ass when they were young you'd stop most of the antisocial behaviour that's going on today instead if you give a youngster a kiss in the ass today you'd have the guardie at your door my opinion is the law is an ass and it's making our country a battleground spare the rod and spoil the child now the children are kicking themselves in the head like you'd kick a can down the road there's no respect for anything says uh, Jay and it's frightening at times that there seems to be so little respect for other human beings I'd have to agree with you on that I don't know if I'd want to go back to corporate punishment but uh, certainly we have to try and again it's a small minority but we have to try and instill in uh, young people a respect for themselves and a respect for everybody else and one final one in this batch from uh, John in Blackpool to say Patricia the advice coming from Irish Water on the hosepipe ban well my friend lives in Blackpool there's water pouring out of the overflow pipe she's contacted the city council about a month ago and they still haven't got out to her and that's frustrating when somebody wants sees a waste of water trying to get something done about it nothing has been done about it obviously the ball cock is gone in that lady's attic and it needs to be sorted I would say John, get back on to your friend, tell your friend to get back on again and actually quote the fact that there is now a hosepipe ban coming into effect from midnight uh, tonight and say, look, do you want to come out and save some water in my house and and see how she gets on? Uh, The ban, by the way, from Irish water will last for six weeks with hopes that it can be lifted on the 21st of uh, July, but only only if the current drought ends. All use of hosepipes for gardening, cleaning and leisure Activities prohibited for households and business. Irish Water says the move was necessary as a host pipe used as much water in one hour 
as a whole family uses in a day. It's a stat for you. The utility said it was taking the step to safeguard water for essential purposes to avoid having to impose restrictions on flow and to minimise the risk of taps simply running dry. They say it's essential that the water supply is protected if we are to avoid restrictions and outages over the coming weeks and months at a time when we all need to wash our hands so much. It's very important that we protect what comes out of the tap. So hose pipes, Leave them in your garden shed at least until the 21st of July. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Today is the last day if you want to be in with a chance of winning Paul Meskel's chain. Paul Meskel, the star of Normal People. He's put up a personal chain for auction for a Pieta house with uh, you can starting bids 10 euro and for 10 euro you get 10 tickets so the more you spend on it the more tickets you have it's going to be raffled and the raffle actually is taking place at 3 o'clock today you can go on to our web page c103.ie to follow the link or you can go on to Pieta House's website as well and a used clothes collection for Gaggen Hall Car Park will be held at Gaggen Hall this evening at 7 please bring your items they're looking for all types of used clothes bags shoes belts, bed linen, curtains good quality soft toys no duvets though, no pillows and no large plastic toys and a reminder for next Sunday that Kilbrin Parish they're holding a collection of perishable goods and baking for Cork Penny Dinners on Sunday next. Monetary donations will also be welcome and if you'd like to donate please drop off your items to Kilbrin GAA Clubhouse between 10am and 1pm next Sunday morning. Cork, Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103 and just a number of questions coming in uh, before we go to and Lee's answering your nutritional questions. You can keep those questions coming in, but just other issues coming up on the programme. Patricia, does anybody know if you can travel with a friend in a car at the moment or do you have to take separate cars uh, thanking you? I can't find anything in the guidelines to say you can't get in a car with uh, a friend, but I'm assuming what the advice would be if you're in very close confines with somebody and you can't do the two metres and obviously if you're sitting beside somebody passenger seat and the driver's seat of a car you're going to be under two metres you're not going to be able to socially distance so I think the advice there would be you'd wear a mask just you're protecting each other from each other really more than anything just for fear that one person had the virus didn't realise it and then and then spread it to the other person. So if you had to travel in a car with somebody, I would I would say wear a mask and hopefully it'll protect uh, both of you. And of course, with all of our contacts and we're now allowed to meet more people. I mean, it's up to six people now, isn't it? We're allowed to have over to our house or if we're outside doing exercise and social gatherings, it can be up to 15 uh, people. They are recommending that we just keep a list of the people that we're staying in contact with. If, God forbid, you ended up being diagnosed as COVID-19 positive, you would be able to say exactly who you were with over the last couple of weeks. So if you're getting in a car with somebody, just keep an note of it just in case and hopefully you'll be fine. But I would say wear a mask if you're feeling anyway nervous. That's uh, the best way to do it. Hi Patricia, question please. When can children go back into shops with their parents? That's an individual stores. It's individual shops have brought brought that particular ruling uh, in. Some 
of them and we know because we got calls many calls here into the programme about it some are more strict about it than others because of course we had the whole issue with single parents feeling they were very, being very disadvantaged because they know where to leave the children had to bring the children with them and at some stores they were literally stopped at the door of the shop so it's an individual one I mean I, th- I still think it's too early to have big family groups heading to the supermarket, heading to the shops with loads of children. I think the advice still is, you know, the virus has not gone away. So the advice is still when you need to do shopping, you get in and get out. So if you can do it without having the distraction of having a child with you, you'll get in and get out quicker. But it's if you're in a situation where you've nobody else to look after the child, it will depend on the shop where you're shopping as to whether you will be allowed in with the shop uh, with the child or not. Uh, When I mentioned about can over 70s go back to work somebody says what about people under the age of 70 can they go back to work? I'm a home help worker with an underlying condition. Well if you've an underlying condition and you're deemed in the medically vulnerable the advice to you the public health guidance to you is still stay at home as much as possible but I would I would suggest if because work has started to reopen and we know all of the retail outlets are open even though work from home is still the advice if 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 it is possible you still work from home but all of the retail shops are opening today I would suggest if you think you're okay to go back to work I would suggest getting on I don't know who your employer is I don't know if you when you say you're, you're a home help worker I don't know if you're working with the HSE or if you were the private company so I, I was just checking with your employer uh, someone else says are grandchildren not are grandchildren not over the age of 70 allowed to look after their grandchildren as parents have to go back uh, to work? Absolutely. And there will be so many grandparents today, dare I say, even ones over the age of 70 who are looking after their children, they're looking after their grandchildren because with so much reopening, we don't have creches open. We still, we're hoping creches and child care facilities will reopen at the end of the month. But a lot of parents were in a huge pickle over the weekend when they discovered from Leo with the reopening of phase two that they were heading back to work on Monday and they weren't expecting to head back to work and they had to then organise child care very quickly. And the advice from government was was to rely on family members. So yeah, absolutely, you are what you can look after your grandchildren, no problem at all. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. A lot of calls coming in for Annalise. So let's take a break. And Annalise Drussell joins us next. Court today on C one zero three. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig uh, joining me uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jan-Lise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And how is Ballancolic? Is it opening up under phase Dark, two? It's opening up and it's so lovely to see <laughs> shops opening up again. It's absolutely brilliant to get back to normal. Now, are there many people around? Not a huge amount, Patricia, at okay. the moment. I think people are probably just maybe waiting to see. I suppose it's early days. Yeah. Really, you know, maybe people think that it might get really busy quickly. So they're waiting for a few days till they think things calm down. But Balancholic is still, there's still plenty of parking spaces. That's always a good sign uh, in Balancholic that it's it's quiet, you know. Yeah, but uh, and the thing is, social distancing and all of that and everybody take it nice and easy and we will get through this phase. Absolutely. And it's great. It's great. It's been moved forward. I think everybody is a bit of a spring in their step yeah, now. Yeah, that abs- they can travel without feeling guilty. They can travel more than the 5K. 
Yeah, and terrified that you were going to get arrested if you if you went 7K. Uh, we're a very compliant group. OK, let's get straight into your questions. Could you ask Annalise, please? I am a woman of 51 and I keep getting a boil. Um, it's come up five or six times in the same place on my back. I've had to get antibiotics for it at one stage, but now I just try to treat it at home. I've, um, I've also been getting them in my pubic area. They can be really, really painful. Is there anything Annalise can recommend to try to take them down and get rid of them out of my system? And why would I be getting so many boils? And they're so painful, Patricia, boils. They, and the boil is a brilliant name because that's what they feel like. They feel burning. Um, I think often they can be a sign that you're very run down or if you're going through a stressful period, it's common to get them then. A lot of people would develop them if their immune system is busy fighting something else. So they might find that if they're, you know, in the winter time, they're more prone to getting them because they're obviously immune systems fighting a lot more cough and cold viruses. I remember so, getting one under my arm. I only ever had one in my life and it was after the birth of my son and I hadn't been able to take iron during the pregnancy so I just got very run down in the weeks after the birth and I developed this massive boil under my arm and it was, I remember thinking, this is worse than childbirth. It was so painful. So, painful, so yeah, I do have sympathy for this woman. Sorry, go ahead, digress. Yeah, they're excruciating and in the pubic area, area as well they can be very slow to heal. So, I mean, there is an old-fashioned treatment for boils that is very successful, which is a bread poultice. Um, I'm not sure if, if you're familiar or have heard I, of I am indeed, the hot bread. A, yeah, the hot bread poultice. Yeah. So basically you mix bread with hot water and you can put in things like, I remember um, my mother using one for one of my sisters when we were kids with zinc borax powder. And zinc borax powder is another great thing for drawing pus out. You'll get it in any chemist. So you could mix that in with some bread um, and as hot as you can stand it and put it on the boil to draw it out. Now, when I say as hot as you can stand it, do not burn yourself because that actually creates more of a problem. And then in terms of keeping them um, from being infected, you could wipe them down with natural antibacterials um, like the grapefruit seed extract. I speak about that a lot mm. for for disinfecting it's a wonderful one for disinfecting and you can you know you can rub that onto a cotton ball and and put it over the boils the other thing that is wonderful is the colloidal silver and i recently developed a cold sore and had no cold sore it started coming up patrician there was no no cream available so i just had the colloidal silver in my wash bag and i used it and i was amazed how quickly it suppressed cold sore it hardly came up at all so again it's just a great way to test things you can test yeah. them on yourself it's a colloidal silver is a wonderful natural antibacterial um, and it's great for healing so if you've got mouth ulcers regularly you can use it for that but that would be another one you could spray on um the the area of the boils on your back um or wherever they're in the pubic area wherever they are so try that and if they start getting very big start try try and draw them out with the bread poultice um, you'll find a recipe online to make that. And in, in the meantime, try to work out why you're getting so run down that you're developing them so much. Yeah, absolutely. You see, the body as well, Patricia, is so complicated. It could be because you're run down, but it could be, you know, if this lady now is coming into menopause, all sorts of strange things oh, yeah. happen to your body around then as well. So there can be lots of explanations, but always a good tonic. I always recommend the source of life gold as the first point of call because it, it just gives you such a great boost for energy, for iron, for immune system, 
uh, for everything like that. So maybe give yourself a dose of that for a month. Okay. Hi. Question for Annalise. How can I get my blood sugars down? Is there any supplement I can take? I'm on medication. I'm following a strict diet, but my blood sugars are still very high. I'm really worried. So now there are supplements that can help with your blood sugars. It very much depends on whether you're type 1 or type 2, Patricia. And the one thing I would say is that if you're on medication, it's very difficult to work with supplements because if they work, they're going to interfere with your medication. So, and if they, and also if they're working, you don't know if it's the medication or the supplements that's working either. So generally for safety reasons, I say to people, if you're on medication, you shouldn't be taking natural supplements because they could interfere with it. But if somebody did want to try natural rather than medication, there's different things that can be very good and specifically for type 2 diabetes as well. So the first one I'd recommend is something called chromium. Now chromium is just an ordinary mineral like iron and like magnesium, but we can often be deficient in it. And it's very important to help ourselves respond to insulin, to the signals of insulin to get this, the, you know, open up the cell and allow the glucose out of the blood into the cells. Um, so you can buy chromium in any health shop we can find chromium naturally in cinnamon so that's why i'd often recommend that people would put a spoon of cinnamon onto their porridge in the mornings or mix it in with um with a a yogurt um because that's naturally high in chromium and even if you're on medication you could take cinnamon safely the other thing that's very good and i've actually recommended successfully to a lot of my clients in the clinics is bitter melon Bitter melon is actually like a gourd. You can buy the fruit in Asian stores. Um, it's very popular in countries like India. Um, and it's actually used quite a lot, actually, in India, Patricia, for type 2 diabetes. And it's very, very successful at bringing your blood sugars down. But you need to be careful because if you're on medication, you could end up being hypoglycemic, which means that you'd feel very, very dizzy and faint, and it can be dangerous. One other thing that's worth mentioning is something called alpha-lipoic acid. Now, this doesn't necessarily manage your blood sugars as such, but it does help protect cells from the damage that high blood sugar can cause. So high blood sugar can react with proteins around the body, and that's why you can have a much better, bigger increase of, of cataracts developing or damage caused to the fine uh, capillaries in the fingers and toes, so you can get numbness and problems with circulation in those areas. So the alpha-lipoic acid is a wonderful protector and the omega-3 fats would be safe to take with medication. They also help improve the cell's sensitivity to insulin. So maybe a combination of cinnamon on the porridge, a high-strength omega-3 fat and the um, alpha-lipoic acid as a protector and that would be good to take with any medication. Okay, Joan wants to know what vitamin D would you recommend for somebody over the age of 70? And I'm reading a lot about vitamin D with COVID-19. They're recommending people take vitamin D. Absolutely. Vitamin D, we say it every year, Patricia, clock change to clock change. It's a wonderful one for the immune system. And really, we don't get it specifically in the winter because even our animals are indoors. So it's normally a fat-soluble vitamin that we get from things like egg yolks and butters and cheeses and meat. Um, But normally, we get vitamin D from the sun. Now, there's... Because of the COVID, people have been coming in and they've been wanting the highest, highest dose of vitamin D you can get. But actually, we do store vitamin D in the liver and it can be very toxic at high doses. So I always think to go with 1,000 IU is plenty, unless for some reason when you've had your blood test, it has been shown that you're very, very deficient. Then it might be good to take a higher dose, maybe 3,000 IUs. Uh, for a period of time. But for most people, I think anything more than a 1,000, you're just risking that you're taking a little bit too much and you might tip over into too high a level. 
Okay, uh, question finally is from Anne. My son, 20-year-old, suffers terribly with hay fever. He takes citrine every morning, but this year it doesn't seem to be working. Any suggestions or what can he try? So a couple of things, Patricia. Um, Generally with the hay fever, with natural remedies, you actually start before hay fever season. So at the moment, very much it's the birch pollen that's causing everybody problems. You can see it when you go out for walks and it's been very dry recently. So it's the combination of the birch and the grass can uh, really the two of them can send people into orbit with the hay fever. So he could try um, something called Luffa Complex, which you can take as a spray up the nose, which is very soothing. You can also take it as a as a, uh, a remedy, a homeopathic remedy. It comes in drops form. Um, Polynosan is the tablet form of the same type of complex. So it's by the Dr. Vogel brand. You'll get it in any stores. The other thing that some people find is brilliant, uh, Patricia, is the hay band. So it's a little acupressure band that you wear and it pushes on certain pressure points and it can reduce the severity of the symptoms. There's lots of other ones like natural antihistamines, high-dose vitamin C, quercetin is another one, but they'll take at least four weeks to kick in. So I'd nearly go straight in with the hay band and the luffa. Um, to begin with to try and get the fastest result there. Okay, hi Patricia and Annalise I'm feeling tired a lot what tonic would you recommend to build me up? I suffer bad from IBS. So again the source of life gold is fantastic and I think as well if people have got IBS it can work really well because it's liquid so the body has to do very very little work in terms of breaking down heavy capsules or tablets Um, so that would that's fantastic because there is a bit of ginseng in it, so it will give you an immediate energy kick. But it wouldn't be safe for anybody who has got uncontrolled blood pressure. Now, if you're on blood pressure medication and it's okay, it's safe to take it for a short period of time, but possibly not long term. So try that. And if that's not suitable, another one that I'm a big fan of is one called Oxylent, O-X-Y-L-E-N-T. It comes in sachet form, so you do have to mix it up into a drink. But it's very, very um, well formulated for people who are poor at absorption, um, which is often the case with IBS. So um, either the Oxalent or the Source of Life Gold. Okay. Could you recommend a good diuretic tablet for water retention, says a listener? Yeah, the best ones generally are Dandelion and Burdock. Um, I have a lovely tea here in the shop that gets great results. It's called um, Heath and Heather Dandelion and Burdock. But you can also buy Dandelion Drops and... um, you can even actually get burdock cordial around this time of the year as well. So they would be the main ones. But for some people, magnesium can work very well if, if you're looking for more kind of fluid retention around the ankles, etc. That can often help magnesium as a rub. It's great to kind of start shifting that fluid. OK, here's a dumb man way listeners. This question for Annalise. I'm a road runner. I do five kilometres a few times a week. I'm 47. But recently I've started to feel I ache all different joints, all different days. Uh, I don't take anything at the moment. Would you recommend that I should be taking something? I definitely would, Patricia. Um, I think running is very and uh, notoriously difficult on the joints, um, certainly road running because you're pounding on a hard surface all the time. So the impact is, is very high. Uh, if it was possible to run on a softer surface, that would be a good change, you know, rather than give up running, which which most people get such pleasure from. It's a terrible thing to have to reach the stage when you no longer can run. Um, in terms of joint support, one of the best ones would be one with something like collagen and hyaluronic acid in there because that can go straight to kind of making cartilage for the joints. And I know that Revive do a joint active it comes in a blue box now it's a bit expensive but it's definitely good to start off with 
Glucosamine and chondroitin are also very good, but they do take time to work. So that, that could be great to continue on as a maintenance, um, but you may not see a result with glucosamine and chondroitin for up to six months, Patricia. It could take at least that long. Another one that's lovely as well for runners is the omega-3 fats because um, while they don't directly do much for the, they don't form any part of the joint, they're great natural anti-inflammatories and lubricators. So they do help kind of counter in fact counter um, act the inflammation that happens after you run. Anybody who does a lot of intensive exercise, it's very pro-inflammatory. So to take something like an omega-3 would be good as well. Okay, Mike and Mornabe, what would you suggest best food and nutrition for maintaining good, healthy eyesight? So the lutein is the is the one that comes up in all of the studies. Um, is is very, very important for the rods and cone cells at the back of the eyes. And particularly if there's any family history of, of macular degeneration, you should actually take a lutein supplement because it'll be hard to get it from foods. But the type of foods that you'll find that in are all the ones that have got ready orangey yellow pigments. So carrots specifically, the old wives tales, yeah. carrots can help you see in the dark. They're wonderful. Tomatoes actually are great as well. They're full of lutein, but also something called lycopene, which is very good for your eye health. Um, and actually cooked tomatoes are better. So if you use tin tomatoes in soups and stews and spaghetti bolognese and things like that, that's a wonderful way of getting your, your daily dose of lutein and lycopene into the system. Blueberries are wonderful for the eyes. If you can get the wild version bilberries, they would be superb. They have a very, very high concentration of particularly uh, particular plant chemicals that work on the rods and cones at the back. But having blueberries every day will, would also be great. You could put them in with your breakfast cereal and frozen are fine, Patricia. Just don't be buying them from countries where we're not sure what they're spraying on them. So okay. try and get the European ones that have been frozen if you can't get fresh ones. Marianne, is it okay to drink tomato juice every day? Absolutely, yeah. yeah no absolutely. problem. And she also takes low-fat yogurt. Should she be taking a probiotic as well? Well, I suppose it's a difficult one to answer, Patricia, really. Unless you have a problem with your stomach, I don't think you need to take a probiotic every day. Um, yogurts, I have pulled yogurts out of the back of the fridge that I have found two months later and they're still edible. So I don't think there's an awful lot of bacteria in them. Plus the bacteria in them are the ones that tend to be um, good for making yogurt. So they're not very broad spectrum. The best thing to do is maybe try and make your yogurt at home and don't be too fussy about the hygiene of your kitchen so you're getting a nice big dose of all the different bacteria that would be on your hands or on kitchen surfaces um, and it, it's very very easy to make your own yogurt or kefir you can buy the starter cultures in most health shops now and it's literally a matter of adding milk and letting it sit there for a couple of days other things that are great to get the uh, natural bacteria in are naturally fermented vegetables like sauerkraut Kimchi is a version of, of pickles that you can buy in lots of the farmer's markets now. And they would be full of a huge wide range of different bacteria. Apple cider vinegar is wonderful. The raw one with the mother in there. That When you shake that, you can see it should be cloudy. And that's a good sign that lots of bacteria in there. But just be careful if you're taking that, that you're not giving yourself a burn because then it's definitely not suitable Okay. All right, we leave it there. Listen, have a good week and we'll chat again Thanks, next Patricia. Monday. Thanks for joining us. That's uh, Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in uh, Balancholic. And I can see people missed out on what did Annalise recommend for this? What was the name of that? We do put up Annalise's... Uh, 
slot goes up on a podcast in the afternoon so you can listen back to anything we discussed with Annalise uh, today and uh, also we'll have the news coming up at one o'clock and Fiona Corcoran is just out from court we're not going to get get to her before one uh, with what happened in that attack in Carrigaline so we'll have more from that and about that on the news at, at one o'clock but that's where I leave you for today thanks to uh, Bernie and to Sadie for taking your calls today we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock until then I'm Patricia Mess have a very good afternoon and remember, stay safe. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.